0: I just am so thankful to have the opportunity to fellowship and worship with you, uh, to sing songs of praise to Him, to, to worship Him in song, and now to worship Him uh, through the breaking of bread, through Amen. through the Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to begin. I'm going to begin reading in Revelation chapter one. I'm going to begin in verse four. But the verse that I really want to be that you want, I want you to commit to memory, and and there'll be a couple others that will be uh, shown on the screen, beginning in verse four. Revelation chapter 1. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia Grace to you and peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. amen Behold he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him even so amen This is Jesus I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end says the lord who is who is and who was and who is to come the almighty I John both your brother and companion in tribulation, and in kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That means a lot specifically to me and, and hopefully for some of you who have been here for a while, for this ministry, I mean everything that we should do should be for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we're so blessed that uh, Mom Prettyman, that picture, as you come in the door, as soon as you come in the door, it's lit. It's, she, she recreated this, and then she put that scripture on there for me, at least this part of that scripture for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is an anchor scripture for this ministry. And, and I want to do more. Not, not for me, because you know too many in, in ministry. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing enough, or I'm not. When you really get to the meat and potatoes of it, how much is it actually for the Word of God, right? And for the testimony of Jesus Christ? I want to do more for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I know there are many of you that feel the same way, and I I need to get better at that. But now we're going to jump down to Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him, the accuser the enemy of our soul, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Now last week, you know, I touched on this and it was um, Pastor um, Garrett uh, made mention of this but I made mention of the total scripture because the second part of that is very important. They did not love their lives to the death. But let's begin in that first part where it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. My brothers and sisters, testimony. That word testimony comes from the word uh, marturia. Marturia. Evidence given. Evidence given. Marturia. That's the Greek word that that's translated from. But that word martyria comes from the word martus. Martus it's the greek word martus martus a witness a witness but that word martus also is translated martyr martyr so those words are so, i wanted you I, the reason why i don't want to bore you we're not we're not in a classroom but you need to know this you need to know what do you believe why do you believe it you need to know you need to do some word studies you need to understand what this word is actually saying not because i've said it or not because your favorite tv preacher said it but what it says The word of God. What am I testifying to? What am I testifying about? The word of God. Not Tony's word. The word of God. in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, so so you see how closely those words uh, are related. Now, testimony. Out of our English uh, dictionary says it this way. The statement or declaration of a witness under oath, usually in court. That's a testimony. That's something that we're all common, we, we know, it's common knowledge. Evidence in support of a fact or statement. Proof. Proof. So, so, so bear those things in mind as we, we go further. Now, there are many witnesses and testimonies as we look in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. There are many, many examples of, of witnesses and, and testimonies, so on and so forth. Jesus was the first He's the true and faithful witness, isn't he? The Bible refers to him as the true and faithful witness. Of what? God. God. We see God because Jesus Jesus is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? Okay. In him, Jesus, is contained all the Godhead bodily. Out of Jesus' own mouth, he said, when you see me, you see God. Again, my brothers and sisters, I know this is very basic. This is very elementary, rudimentary teaching. But my brothers and sisters, we have to really be grounded in this truth. If we are going to testify, if we are going to be his witness, what are we testifying of? And what are we witnesses to? It begins there. He's the true and faithful witness. He's the the image of the invisible God. You can't see God. He's a spirit. So God took a body and he let us wrap our human brains around what he is. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. So you have Jesus, the true and faithful witness, and in Jesus you see the testimony of God the Father. You see how He, He, He he talks, He says, the things that I say, I don't say unless the Father tells me to say. The things that I do, those are the things that the Father tells me to do. So there's the witness, there's the true, there's the proof, there's the testimony. Amen? Do you see that? Okay. So then you look at His disciples, He raises up disciples. First He had those twelve that were, that were with Him, His closest followers. And then, you know, out of those 12, there were three who were really specifically, you know, involved with him closely. It was uh, Peter, James, and John, right? And so, he, he witnessed to them. He, he taught them. He showed them truths. He, he so, you know, Peter, I, I like Peter. I like that character. You know, Peter uh, testified after he received the Holy Spirit. Remember, that's a, an important part. Terry, Terry in Jerusalem, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. In order for you to testify of me, you need this power. And so they received the Spirit. And then Peter, after he received that, immediately gets up and preaches a message. And when he preaches a message, he preaches. He says, you did not recognize the one who was promised by our fathers, by the forefathers, by all the prophets. He gave a witness. He gave a testimony, didn't he? Didn't he? Amen, he did. He did, he did. And then further, when they lost all fear because of the power of the Holy Spirit, they stopped hiding out. That was the beginning of it when he preached that message and thousands came to Jesus in one day. And then, my brothers and sisters, he continued. And then, remember, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Well, they're all my favorite. Who am I kidding? Him and John were walking to the temple. They walk into the temple, beautiful, but there's a man begging alms outside the gate. And what does Peter say? He stops. And instead of, like what I do sometimes, try not to make eye contact where I don't have to put something in the bucket or try to make where you don't see. But come on now. You know you're doing that outside. the Now that the, the what is that? the salvation. Thank you. The salvation. Army. You know that you're kind of walking by a little bit like that. Well, listen. That wasn't Peter. That's right. Peter walked right up to that guy, looks him dead in the face. Gold and silver have I none. Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Amen. There's a testimony, there's a witness. Hallelujah. Do you... Whew, hallelujah. That's, they were arrested for that. And the same people that put Jesus to death were the same people that Peter and John stand before and they, they spoke the gospel, y'all. The guy that you were waiting for, the ones that our forefathers preached and taught that we should be looking for, you killed him. You killed him. It was him. They couldn't do anything with him because it was a fact that that man was healed and there would have been an uprising. So those those religious leaders at that time said, let's just whoop him and tell him not to preach in that name no more and let it be. So they did that. And Peter said, hey, he didn't let it go. He testified a little bit more. Remember what he said? He said, you, "You tell me, is it should we listen to you, or should we listen to God?" <laughs> Peter's saying, "Guess what? We ain't going to shut up about it. We are His witnesses. We have to testify. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, amen. How about Stephen, the one who truly was the first recorded martyr, Martus. Man. He was powerful, the Holy Ghost. He wasn't one of the original 12 apostles. He wasn't an apostle. He was a disciple who became... He was was a man filled with the Spirit. He was a man who loved God. He loved Jesus. And he became a deacon. And and, there were people that raised a fuss against him, accused him falsely. And so he gets up there and he testifies in front of this mob and he he testifies and he lays the truth down and he testifies as a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and basically says, you killed the Holy One who God sent, the one you were waiting for and they stoned him to death and he gave witness as he's being stoned to death, he looked up and he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand. Hallelujah! Even in the middle of being killed, gave testimony. And here's another Piece of testimony that he gave. Lord, don't hold this against them. Whew. Proof. Evidence. A life. And you can't do anything without bringing up Paul. Paul was arrested. One of the times, one of the many times that he was arrested. We're going to be in Acts 22 right now, and I think we'll put this one up there for you, I hope, if I did it right. <laughs> well, he was arrested, and he's, remember now, he, he went to Jerusalem, and, you know, he visited with the apostles, and he's saying, well, there were some people that were against him and all this other stuff, so uh, the other apostles kind of encouraged him to go make peace, you know, you know, go go. there's some guys that took the Nazarene vow and go and pay their, and so he goes in, and he's falsely accused. He is falsely accused, and and they raise a mob against him. And their mob is is literally trying to tear him apart. And so, in order for, they they, they called the cops, they called the the police, that's just the Romans. And they basically rescued him, they were arresting him to rescue him from the mob, to keep the mob from tearing him in pieces. But then as he's being hauled off, he gives testimony. Acts 22.17 Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, this is Paul speaking, and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly. Now he's, let me pause and give you context. He's speaking now of the first time after he got saved, after he first met Jesus and he went to Jerusalem. This is what he's referring to. Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. That word testimony is that first, that martyria. Martyria. Testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I I imprisoned and, I'm in prison, I'm sorry, that in every synagogue, imprisoned and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr, Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by, consenting to his death, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. saying, you know, they know that I was a Pharisee. They know what I was. They're, they're, you know, they know me. They know me. No, they're going to want to tear you up. But those two words, look at those two words, closely related in that same text. Testimony, martyr. Testimony, martyr. Then in, again we see Paul in Acts 26 this is further down during this same incident. Now he's been carried away. He's he's already um, given his testimony. He was allowed to speak before um, f- before Felix. There was the other one, and I just his name escapes me. Another name that begins with an F, and I just um, anyway, I can't remember his name. And then it was Felix, and then from Felix to Agrippa. So he stood before Agrippa in verse 15 of 26. So I said, "Who are you, Lord?" He's giving his testimony of when he first met Jesus. And so he's doing this before King Agrippa. He says, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. My brothers and sisters, the most powerful evangelist on earth, Outside of Jesus. It had to be Paul. And Paul's whole life was about being a witness. He was martyred. We're called to be his witness. In fact, what we started this scripture with for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Also, the enemy of our soul is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So, so let me ask you: Where are you with your witness? What's your testimony like? Do we have any fresh? Te- do we have any testimonies in the house? Eddie shared with me something during the week. Can you share, it, Eddie? With Willie, I don't know which one this is. Here it is.
1: Friend Willie, he works out there with us. He uh, he called me last Sunday just to see what I had cooked on. But he said, well, "I said, well, I just got from came from church." He said, "Yeah, I know, I know." But uh, you sound like Tony sometimes. <laughs> I said, "Well, I don't know if that's bad or good." <laughs> I said, "No, it came out of the book." And what he said, I said, "It came from the Bible." He said, "Yeah, that's the truth." I said, "Oh, you know about the truth? You know that?" He said, "But it's hard." I said, "Well, somewhat, yeah." He said, "But it's hard." He said, "Because." You want to do right, but you still like what the flesh have you to do. He said, "You know how I am." I said, "Yeah, I know how you asked about. I know how you was when you was raised when you was kids, too." He said, "Yeah, I know, I know, I know." That's his word. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> he all stop talking. He said, so "I know, I know, I know, I know." But I was telling him just by him saying when I mentioned the word Bible, he used the word truth. He said, "Yeah, that's the truth." If you still remember that, you still could overcome it, you know. So, amen. In amen.
0: Yeah, the 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 point there. I mean. Eddie was was delivering food and just you know to a friend, and he said something, and out of that, well, you sound like Tony, because he no, it's not Tony, it's it's the Bible, Amen. it's it's the Word of God, Amen. so so there's a a witness, there's a a testimony, okay. you, Amen, not today, not today? <laughs> again, I'm working on it. anybody, okay. testimonies. Last week we heard a handful of them, right? Yes, um, it was pretty amazing. I mean, I, I've, I've heard those guys before, not always the same guys, and we heard them here. We had the Loving Hands guys came, came in here uh, before and, and gave testimonies. And, and you know, it, it, you hear about shattered lives and torn up, you mean you, drug addicts and, and just alcoholics and, and, you know, they're in such bondage and they're so, and we look at that, oh my gosh, you know, uh, we hear those testimonies, and we wow I, I don't know some of you some of you may have had some of those experiences, you know either with drugs or you know being arrested multiple times or all of the above uh being addicted to something and and absolutely having the, that kind of um, bondage in your life um, you know so inevitably when you know when we see and hear those things it, it and those guys testify there's this certain you could see a, a certain zeal in a lot of them now, uh, some of us have been around long enough, and we know that there's some that you know takes and some that that doesn 't take there's you know it, there's some that 's real real, and there 's some that you know maybe maybe not so real, but it doesn 't matter because it 's available to all of us that freedom that that and it 's not a freedom to go from this to religion uh, you know it 's not religion it 's about relationship and the one thing that um was I think that was repeated over and over again, I think it was by uh, by Travis, was, uh, tra- and I think a few of us went to a banquet that they had uh, during the week, and Travis, I think it was Travis, who gave a testimony here on Sunday, and then he gave a testimony again that night, kind of a shortened version of it. And I was real curious, because I wanted to make sure that it was the same. And it was the same. See, so to me, okay, that's real, you know, he didn't change a bunch of story. You know, there wasn't anything changed. It was real. He said it and he repeated then, that night, the same thing he repeated that day that he shared with us last Sunday when he shared with us. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. But you hear his story. What was the other one? Denaris? Denaris, you, you hear his story, and then he acted out the play, which they they had technical issues and stuff. But that little skit that they did that night when they, when we were there, he was literally acting out um, his right. his story, right. his testimony, where he was shot up, shooting, and you know bad drug deal gone bad. And I couldn't help it, man. I started to choked up. Michelle's what's wrong? This is this reminds me totally of Jamarcus. Amen. This is Jamarcus' story right here. This is this is it. And so, man, you, you see, wow, I mean, and, you, and you see the, they're, they're smiling, they're happy, something's different. But also, noteworthy, is how they do it. What are they doing? In the Word, all the time. They're, and they're taken out of the world. They're taken out of the world, and they're put into an environment where it's Word, it's Jesus, it's Truth. And inevitably, and what I said also on last Sunday, and this is really where I want to kind of spend a little time and expound. Inevitably, we look at that and we say, well, that's okay for them. You know, they really need that. I'm going to show you a little video right now. Just pay attention. Kids, please. This is really important. I really hope that you'll listen and and really grab a hold of what this guy says.
2: I was going from one thing to the next. So, you know, I would buy a new car and then when that didn't do it, I'd go out and buy clothes or take a trip. And then I went through hobbies. You know, I did triathlons. I did running. I took up wine as a hobby. I mean, on and on the list
3: goes. Dr. Greg Veman was convinced he had everything he needed to find happiness. The successful career, the lifestyle, but it never seemed to be enough.
2: It was a combination of you're sad, you're empty, and yet at the same time you're kind of angry and frustrated because you're thinking, well, why? You know, what's wrong with me? You know, why aren't I fulfilled? Why don't I feel like I have achieved what i worked my whole life for? And so you're embarrassed. You're not going to tell anyone, so you keep it inside.
3: And then what you end up doing is taking it out on other people. He also had all the answers. His wife, Ruth, explains. He
4: was, I mean, he was, a, he was good, but he had a short fuse. He was arrogant. He was always right. He's the type of person, he's his own person, he's the boss. You know, he always did well his whole life. He was always number one at everything.
3: Greg was quick to take issue with others, including his Christian neighbors, who Greg thought were giving his family the cold shoulder. I'm going to get a Bible, and I'm
2: going to prove to them that they're not practicing what they preach. Greg started reading the Bible, and was shocked by what he learned. I realized that... Jesus was claiming to be God in the flesh, the God-man on earth. And I never heard that before. So that quickly got my attention because I realized if it did happen, it was the most important event in human history. And if it didn't happen, then it was just a religious fairy tale that someone made up. So I quickly forgot about the neighbors and decided, hey, I need to find out if this really happened. I really got interested when I heard luke's prologue where he says you know that he checked everything out because he's a doctor and doctors would normally disprove miracles not authenticate them
3: while greg's curiosity was academic ruth had been on her own search for truth and accepted christ as her savior she knew her husband needed more than a subject to study
4: i was worried about his salvation i would tell my friends in the bible study i'm worried about greg you know he's never going to accept the lord when i told greg you know there's a place called hell and it's real. And you know, if you don't believe, you might go there. And I was praying for him. I really was. It got to a point where I was just like, I give up. You know, I was like, really? I'm like, God, you've got to you got to do something.
3: Greg spent weeks studying and researching. He realized Christianity hinged on one event, the resurrection. I started before looking for every possible
2: explanation That would say it didn't happen you know did Jesus maybe he didn't die well that wasn't true even in the Journal of the American Medical Association doctors had concluded that he definitely died Uh, maybe the Apostles stole the body I mean maybe they were seeing hallucinations all these different theories but the problem was none of them were credible none of them made sense the only explanation from the historical facts the way it was set up with the Roman guards and everything was that the tomb was empty and he actually rose The real thing that got me was the Apostle Paul, because here's a guy, he's Jewish, he's killing Christians, he has nothing to gain. What in the world could make this guy go and be the greatest evangelist ever? There was only one explanation, and that was that he saw the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So when I looked at the resurrection, looked at the evidence of these guys and their changed lives,
3: I said, "I, I have to believe it. Now Greg had the answer. Or at least he thought he did. Christianity
2: is okay. You know, he really did it. And if you believe and he sees that you go to church and you're trying to do the right thing, then when you die, you'll go to heaven. I mean, what more could there be?
3: Greg was about to find out. It started after he treated a walk-in patient at work. I went in, you know, told him if he had any questions to ask me. And he was
2: just staring me like dead in the eye. And that's when he came out and just said, Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And I about passed out. I wasn't expecting that. And I, all this other stuff was happening at the same time. I'm like, well, how does he know? Why is he asking me this? Who is this guy? And I kind of just bolted out of the room and says, I'll be right back. Because I didn't know what to do.
3: A few nights later, Greg began thinking about his life.
2: There were things in my life that I, you know, wanted to change, you know, the anger, the frustration, but I didn't have the power to change. And so it just kind of all culminated where I just kind of broke down crying and asking God to forgive me and basically just, you know, kind of repented of my sins and asked Him to change me. And that I, I wanted to, you know, live a new life. The very next morning, Greg noticed something was different. I was just like, Completely peaceful. I wasn't frustrated. I wasn't feeling angry. I felt content for no reason. So I quickly expected everything to dissipate and go back. But as I began to live that day, I realized, you know, hey, there's something really different. So if I was different and feeling completely different, I had to have been changed or something in my biochemistry of my body had to be changed. I said, well, maybe somehow my antihistamine got switched out for something like Valium. So I went and checked my medicines, and of course, you know, that wasn't it.
3: Greg found out why he felt different in the book of Romans, chapter 6. Basically what it said in there was that when you become a believer
2: and get saved, and the Holy Spirit comes into you, which is something I was completely unaware of, that the old person that you were somehow dies. And then it cross-referenced that to galatians five twenty two, which talks about how the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness and i'm like you know hey that's it that's that's how i feel i've got that list
3: later that night greg told ruth what happened
4: it was a miracle to me because i didn't ever think that greg could ever change he was suddenly concerned about other people which shocked me
3: greg went looking for the patient who had talked to him The problem was his name wasn't on the schedule anymore.
2: I mean, it was handwritten in ink, and I knew exactly when it was, and it's not there. And I checked for like the whole month, and the guy basically wasn't there. His record was completely gone. There was no evidence that he ever came in the the office.
3: Greg says while there's no doubt the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are true, the real proof is in his changed life. I would say
2: since the day I was saved, I've never felt alone. I've never felt empty. I've never felt... All of that discontentment and stuff.
4: I feel like I'm married to a different person. I feel like my old husband is not around anymore. And I've got this new husband who's awesome.
3: For Greg, the truth is clear.
2: Every other religion is man seeking God. Christianity is God seeking man. There's a real test for Christianity. You call on Christ, put him to the test. He won't just forgive your sins, but he's going to change you right now so that you know that it's true. that's a big difference.
0: Man, see that's that's not the. I, I put that there purposely because that's the kind of not the kind of testimony that we hear from, in pulpits all the time, and especially here since we've shared with, you know, the Loving Hands Ministry. And so, I mean, there's someone who basically had it all, but I don't know where are we? Where are we? Revelation twelve eleven reminding you. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And here's the, this is the part that makes all the difference. And they did not love their lives to the death. What does that mean? They overcome the enemy of our soul by the blood of the Lamb, the powerful blood of Jesus, the word of their testimony, their witness of Jesus. And they were willing To give up this life for that. See, my brothers and sisters, if we we love it here too much, we're too attached to this life, whether we're doing bad or good. You know, some of us may be in a good place right now. We're in a good season. I mean, we have plenty of the things that we want and need, uh, or you know, we see some promise on the horizon, or you know, whatever it is, we're going through a good time right now. And 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 listen, I'm not in this pulpit trying right now to make you feel. Bad for your good fortune in this moment. You shouldn't feel. I'm not. That's not it. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, if you're doing good right now, just wait." It came to pass. Those words in the Bible go both ways, baby. No, no, it's not that. But if we're so attached. To, to this life, to this world, if we're, if we're really motivated and if our happiness and our contentment is based solely on what we have here and now, you better make the most of it. Because let's just say you do live the average life expectancy, 70-something to 80-something years. God says that that's like a vapor that appears for a moment and vanishes away. Because your consciousness is going to last for eternity. And I'll guarantee you that if you're attached to this life and you're counting on things in this life to make you happy in this realm, you better go ahead and grab all the gusto you can. You better go ahead and and do everything and be happy and do it because at the end of it, you're going to be begging for your consciousness to be eliminated. Again, man, why do I want to come to church and hear a message like that because it's true? And because if you are a Christian, then then what is your testimony? See, I, I asked for testimonies earlier, and you know what? It sometimes it it, it it it's a little bit scary to be in my position and ask for testimonies because you never know. You know, someone might stand up and and say something, and you okay, or someone continues to go on and on and on. But you know what? Here, God help me. Well, here's my. Well, I, I, I went shopping, you see, and it's, uh, it's, 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 what do you call it? Black Friday. And then and I, and I drove around, and, and there was no place to park, and then I just drove around, and I asked the Lord Jesus, and there was a parking place right there in the front, right by the front door. Hallelujah! I knew the Lord was helping me, and I felt it way down deep in my soul when that parking, whoa, I parked right in the front. Never mind those three people that you cut off to get it. I'm not trying to be funny. But see, now we're going to be quick to testify of something like that. And is it a good thing? Well, yeah, I suppose it is. If it's that important to you. But is it that important to you? Are you, are you with me? I felt it way down deep in my soul. You know, I was asking the Lord. I was praying to God and, and He showed me a certain color. And when I saw that color, I knew He was speaking to me. Is that your testimony? Really? Really? Is that, is that it? Come on. Yeah, pastor, you don't know. I felt it way down deep in my soul. I couldn't even hold it. Please. Please. What is your... Listen. We all have a... T- if you're a born-again... Now, I'm going to... Born-again Christians. If you're truly a born-again Christian, you have at least a testimony of when the Lord ministered to you and you came to Him. And you went to the foot of the cross and you you knew that you were a sinner in need of salvation. You repented of your sin and you had that that moment. So there's a testimony. But now let me ask you something. How many years ago was that? For me, it was a lot of years ago. Well, not that many. Not as many as some. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It was a lot of years ago. Now what happened between then and now? Where is my testimony now? What am I witnessing now? What am I testifying of now what am i proclaiming now uh oh boy i'm i'm going to stay on this side just for a minute I didn't, are you are you with me what's going on now what can i what can i speak to now what 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 can i testify of now where am i now what's what's my testimony now where what am i witnessing of now come on come on Can, can, is there anybody in here that can testify something fresh, something new? what has God done? what have you witnessed? what can you testify? what can you give evidence of what can you have what is the proof that you have of Jesus? what is it see i'm I'm here to tell you because we get so happy with the things that we and we're so enamored by by the by the but by the comforts and the things and the, and the stuff that we have and, and, you know, how good we're doing at the job and maybe, you know, things are going smooth. The kids are doing okay. They got pretty good grades in school. Not having to mess with the kids too much. Uh, you know, everything is right. Everything is well. Nobody's sick in the house right now and blah, blah, blah. So on and so forth. Of all of those things good? Absolutely. Should we be thankful for them? Absolutely. And I'm not criticizing or mocking that or making fun of it. Not even in the least bit. Those things are all important. Very important. If you're a mom or a dad and you're not praying for your kids, shame on you. But let me ask you something. What kind of testimony are you giving your kids? What kind of testimony, what kind of witness are you for your kids? See, because you can pray and that's great and they love not their lives to the death. Are you showing your kids that the most important thing to you is the life that you have in Christ and not the life that you have here on earth? Come on, come on because that's that man you can be praying for them all the live long day, but if you're not living that way. That's right. Come on now. Come on now. Where's your testimony? What can you testify? See, we get into this thing in Luke chapter 7. Remember, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus was invited to, uh, to a Pharisee's house. The Pharisee, was, you know, obviously he was taken back and he, he was impressed with the teaching of Jesus and the following Jesus had, so on and so forth. So he invites him to his house, Simon the Pharisee. And so Jesus goes in there with a couple of his disciples and he sits down and there's a woman that comes into the house. And she's weeping. And she breaks a bottle of perfume as she's wiping his feet with her hair. And Simon, inside of himself, the Pharisee, is thinking, if this guy was really a prophet, if he was really a man of God, he'd know who this woman, woman is and how what a sinner dog she is. I'm giving Tony language. I'm paraphrasing, of course. He'd know what a sinner she really is. Jesus knew what he was thinking. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Speak on, Lord. Speak on. He says, well, he says there was a debtor. I mean, there was a a financier. There was a, a creditor. And he had two people that owed him. One person owed him 50 denarii and one person owed him 500 denarii. Neither of them could pay. He forgave them both. Which one loved him more? The one who was forgiven more, of course. Did you hear that? Who's forgiven much is love, loves much. See, I think the problem is when we see those testimonies like those men who are bottomed out. Man, yeah, of course they're going to be all excited. They're going to be all glad. Look at what the Lord's taken them out of. And see, we, we don't look at our lives like that. We compare ourselves amongst each other. Well, I was never, I grew up in the church. I'm not saying me, I'm just using that as an example because I did not grow up in the church. But I grew up in the church. I got saved when I was six years old. Please. Please. I grew up in the church. Yeah, you know, my father and mother, they were, pretty, they were church people. They were pretty strict. Yeah, you know, we did some things. We strayed a little bit. Well, we never got that bad. Who's forgiven much, loves much. The problem is, we don't see the things that we do as bad as the other guy. And so then we don't, really, we don't really see that that life that God has given us in Christ Jesus is so highly valuable, and, and we don't see how much God has really... See, we don't see our sin. You know what? If, if I, I haven't broken the law, I haven't done anything bad, I'm not as bad as the next guy, I don't steal, I don't do this, I don't do that, I'm okay. This is what God says. God is the one who makes the rules. God is the one who's determined what righteousness is. And He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. He's in charge. He's. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what the scripture tells us. Why is the scripture saying, does God want us to have this this total, uh, what, what do they call that? Help me out. What's that when you have this bad opinion of yourself? What's that word they use in uh, psycho babble today? Low self-esteem. That's what it is. It's, you know, does God want us all to have low self-esteem? I was looking at you, Rachel. I was counting on you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. Yeah, I was. I was sending you the vibe. I <laughs> no, listen to me. I, and I'm sorry to break that. I, I apologize because this is a serious moment. But does the Lord tell us those things because He wants us to have low self-esteem? No, the Lord loves us. God loves us. God created us for His purpose. God created us and called us for Him so that we could have fellowship. God wants what's best for us. He wants wants us to enjoy eternal life with Him in glory. Because there's only two places you can be. There's only two, and it doesn't matter what philosophy tells you. It doesn't matter what your own intelligence tells you. It doesn't matter. There's only two. And He, God, wants to live eternally with you. So he tells us those things so that we can know we're on the wrong track. Don't look at this realm. That's what the enemy did. The enemy did Adam and Eve. Got them concentrating on the here and now and got their mind off of the eternal. Got their minds off of the spiritual and got it on the carnal. The here and now. So if we pay attention to the here and now and that's that's what drives us, that's what motivates us. Man, we're going to be happy when we're on the top of the mountain or when we don't look as bad as that other guy. We're comparing ourselves with each other, and that's unwise, even if you're doing it spiritually, which is the other spirit. See, see even if you think you're doing it spiritually, you're not supposed to do it. It's unwise. My brothers and sisters, my heart is, man, the church should be operating in the fullness of God should be operating in, and have all of the promises that he's blessed us with because he's the one that said that all the promises in him in Christ are yes and amen. He says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, my brothers and sisters, testimony. W- w- where's my testimony? Where- where's your testimony? Where's our testimony right now? Where is our testimony? Where? If something bad happens, drop my head and. Is, is, is that the witness? If, if, if things don't go my way, do I get angry? Uh, do I hold other people? Here's a good one, because Christians are good at this. Christians are really good at this. Do I hold other people to standards that I'm not meeting myself? Come on now, if someone is rude to me boy that'll that, do it, does it do it, does it bow me up a little bit do I get upset do I think about man I didn't have to but am I watching how I'm speaking do do I see how I'm treating other people do I hold myself to the same standard that I'm holding those others to see my brothers and sisters you know, what is our testimony what are we witnessing come on if it's about the here and now, man, let's look at some of these people that are highly successful, making money, seemingly enjoying life. You know, let's look at some of these rich folks and, 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 and some of these people who may not even be rich but they're just happy. They've they found you know some kind of key or some kind of element that just keeps them fat and happy or whatever the case may be, and, and then let's just follow them. But again, what's at the end of that road? What is at the end of that road? No nah, man. Boy, is, it, is this too heavy? Is this too heavy? Man, do we get that spiritually? Are we that haughty? Think about that. Are we that haughty where we think that, you know, okay, God, I'm almost doing everything you said. I, I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not lying directly. Got a few of the top 10 covered. I, I'm good. Well, you sound like I had a conversation with a pastor friend of mine a while back, and uh, he was telling me his, he grew up in church. His father was a Church of God preacher. And he said, "Yeah, old timey." And then I know about a little bit about the Church of God doctrine. I was in a Church of God for a little while. And he says, uh, "Well, you know, back then, you know, you, you, if you smoke, you're going to hell. You drink, you're going to hell. You do, you know, any little, you're going to hell." That's that's what that's what the, they preached. That's how they taught. That was the attitude. And then we both looked at each other, and almost simultaneously, you know, there was something good about that. That's right. See. The Old Testament, my brothers and sisters, was fulfilled in Christ. Not done away with. Fulfilled. Because that is still God's righteous requirement. But we can't fulfill it ourselves, my brothers and sisters. It was fulfilled by Christ, and in Christ, it's fulfilled. When we give our lives to Him, it's fulfilled. This is basic. This, I know this is basic. You say, well, you know, I don't need to go to a church on a Sunday. I want to get the deeper things of God. My brothers and sisters, everybody wants the deeper things. But we can't go any deeper when we can't even go to the backside of this verse, they did not love their lives unto the death. And understand that, figure that out, my brothers and sisters, and marry that. We can't. We can't experience the first church. See, I'm boring you. I, I, I know this is not the. I'm not spitting, I'm not spewing, but I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, my heart's desire is for us to be an effective group of Christians. My heart's desire is for the church to experience revival, and for revival to come, and for that, and that what that revival, what that pouring out will be, what that will mean to us and to our children. The most important thing, to our children. My brothers and sisters, if, remember when we were kids, and it was, man, if you drink, you're going to hell. If you smoke, you're going to hell. And now in churches, that's not talked about anymore. None of that stuff is looked down upon or frowned upon. And So what, are, what, what, what is the standard? What exactly, what exactly is the standard for our children? Come on. What exactly is that? Is it, well, you just go and you, you say a prayer at the altar, you go and get dunked and then everything's okay? Because listen, my brothers and sisters, when I see the back side of the scripture, that tells me that that's not all there is. That's why, my brothers and sisters, we don't see signs, wonders, and miracles in the church. That's why we don't see people instantaneously healed. There's no dead people being raised out of a coffin. They're, well, man, I'd love to go ahead and, and, and just walk in or have somebody walk in here totally sick, and because you pray for them and we anoint them with oil, they're suddenly and instantaneously healed. Amen. And for us not to be surprised about it. Why? I'd love for someone to come in here and say, listen, here's what happened. I'm I'm, I'm about to be sentenced to this, but I gave my life to Christ, and if I have to fulfill this sentence, then I'm going to go ahead and do it, but I'm going to do it in Jesus. And then all of a sudden, just like we heard some testimonies, now, we're not going to do it that way. You're free to go. My brothers and sisters, that is awesome stuff, and it still can happen, but it's not going to happen, because we don't love our life unto the death. Or we do. I sh- no, we don't. It's a double negative. My brothers and sisters, listen. The bottom line if we continue to hang on to and we continue to guide our lives totally by what we see, how we feel in this atmosphere, in this moment, we have no testimony. How can I say, I, I thus and such, I want to apologize to the young people right now. And for anybody who's not a believer. Here's why. Those of us who have professed Christianity and tried to witness and testify, the walk didn't match the talk. My heart is hurting because the young people are walking away from the church, from Christianity, because of that. but I've got good news. This is eternal. And what it says to me is that although I may have missed the mark and made a mistake, I can go to him. I can go to him. And I could be made new, just like that. Any mistake that I made can be instantaneously thrown as far as east is from the west. It can be put into the sea of forgetfulness. And if it it were as though I went up to God and said, God, remember I did that? No, I don't remember that. God, remember? No. That's gone. You need to forget it too. You need to forget it too. You need to move on. I'm talking to somebody right now. You need to move on. Whatever it is, you need to go to the foot of the cross and you need to say, I'm tired of this, Jesus. I need you. I'm tired of the enemy, the accuser, the accuser continuing to bring this to my remembrance. I'm tired of the accuser telling me that it's okay for me to feel this pain. I'm tired of the accuser telling me that I'm not worthy of your forgiveness. I'm tired of the accuser reminding me of all of these things and all of my unworthiness. Lord God, help me. Help me. I repent. I don't want to be reminded of it. Not because Tony says, but he says, in that moment you are clean, you are clean and you walk away and you live the life that he's placed in you. amen amen that's good news so you so so, 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 so you I don't know what you came expecting today I I, I don't I don't I don't you know maybe some maybe some... You know, like I usually do some illustrations for you and we have a little fun with the kids and all this other stuff. And I I don't know if that's what you came expecting. I don't know what you expected. But I want to tell you, what I really want, I really would love for, for you all now to take this and allow the Lord to do something in you and on you so that it becomes real. And so that next time I ask you about a testimony, you'll actually have one. There are some testimonies in here. I know some people are a little bit shy. I know that. I know that. But my brothers and sisters, we can't love this life and be so attached to this life that we'll go ahead and settle and not have a testimony, not witness. You see that word martyr? First thing we think about is giving up our life. See, God is not asking me in this moment to be executed for his name although there are people that are being executed for his name even as we speak God is not asking me to be that kind of martyr in this moment here's the kind of martyr he's asking me to be Tony will you give up your life to live the life that I've given to you then I could be his witness amen So folks, let me ask you. Do you love your life here on earth so much that you're not willing to live for Christ? If you do, this message probably won't mean much to you. But if you don't, give it to Him. Give it to Him. And don't think because you've been a Christian X amount of years or you've professed something for so many years that you know everything's going to be okay, we live under grace, and so on and so forth. Here's a condition. The enemy of your soul is overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and you're not so attached to this life. If you're attached to this life, you don't have the first part of that. So I don't care if you got saved when you were six, or you got saved last week, I don't you've been baptized, you haven't been baptized, I don't care. If you know that you've been a little bit too much attached to this life, would you put your hand up? Thank you for your honesty. I just want to ask you, praise the Lord for your honesty. Do you have enough courage to stand with me if you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. If you raised your hand, you're standing. Would you do one more thing? Would you come down here to the altar and pray with me if you raised your hand?